Isn't it funny, Adam? I didn't want to start because that the, the theme music was fucked up in the beginning. Like, like it matters that I, the theme music I, is I, I love that theme music now. Um, we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to get right into this. Last week, well, actually, by the time this airs, it'll be two weeks ago. Dana White was in Who? here. <laughs> Dana White was in here, and he said, I said to him, you man, you've lost a lot of weight. What are you? What are you doing? You look so good. And he said, I went and saw this doctor named Gary Brecka, and he did my blood work, and he told me I had 10.5 years to live. That's how we opened the show. 10.4. 10.4. Sorry, oh, man. Yeah. 10.4, and he left him hanging because he was supposed to get his results on a Wednesday. And he right. said, no, I'm going to bring them to you yeah. in the office. The cliffhanger you gave him, yeah. Gary. What's up with yeah. that? So uh, just a quick point of clarification. I'm actually not a physician. I'm not licensed to practice medicine. I'm a human biologist. So okay. my background is in biology, human biology, and human neurochemistry. Wow. So, so I have plenty of physicians that work for me, and I've got a plenty right? of licensed I see them. people <laughs> yeah. in the room them. right here, right outside them. of the camera. You brought backup. Um, yeah. yeah, I brought backup. I, I like it. travel with a clinical team, but right. I am t- I'm not licensed to practice medicine. I'm a human biologist. So I don't know. I mean, so that episode obviously went just on fire, oh, uh, especially on million. TikTok and Instagram reels, like over 5 million views on a couple of clips. I don't know if you read the comments, um, oh, and yeah. I tried to defend. It's so weird how everyone's default is just negative. Some were well, nice, but some were some, nasty. Yeah, like, you know, Jesus is the only right. one that... And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. It's just... Like, they missed the whole point yeah. of the point of knowing is so you can make changes in your life to right. live longer. I don't know how how that got lost in translation. Yeah. And by the, the way, if you don't think that uh, that... People can predict life expectancy. Then you've never heard of a life insurance policy and a right. annuity, a reverse mortgage. I mean, there are thirty plus billion dollars a year in financial services products that are based on when people will die. Sure, and like I, I jumped on a couple because I can't help myself. I know you shouldn't respond to the idiots, but I cannot help it sometimes, especially yeah. when they're attacking data. I had a like, couple favorites in there. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, guys, obviously, if someone smokes five packs of cigarettes a day and drinks like a fish, it's safe to say they will most likely not live as long as someone that doesn't. There's that, no question. Right. And it, sure, there might be an anomaly sometimes, like, you know, a guy that smokes and just never had anything, and then you have a guy right. in perfect shape and he drops out of a heart attack mm-hmm. running. It, it happens, but that's not the norm, right? right. I mean, no you question. treat the I body mean, right, you live longer. If you don't, you live shorter. Yeah, and, and, right? and there is a science to predicting mortality. I mean, everybody in this room is on an actuarial curve. But if a life insurance company is getting ready to bind $10 million or $25 million worth of risk on your life, right. they could care less where you are on a, on a mortality curve, like an actuarial curve. They want to know specifically how many more months does this person have left on Earth. And right. that science is very refined. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, when you see all the, the hate comments, was it hard? Do you bite your tongue? Like, are you, because well, you're mean, the guy, you know, that they're uh, kind of attacking. Like, did yeah, you want to jump they, in and they say. They really just, uh, they, they attacked me, but some of them were actually kind of funny because they said, um, well, Dana White hasn't lost a single pound. Um, I don't know what Dana which, White they're looking at. Which I don't know what Dana yeah. White they're looking at either. I don't know how they would know he lost weight or didn't lose weight, but he's lost like 33, 38 pounds. Um, but the real magic happened on the inside of Dana, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you see what's going on in the outside. He's more vascular. He looks a lot more jacked. His skin's more clear. He's, yeah. Um, and and then there's subjective things like, okay, he's not uh, snoring anymore. He doesn't use a CPAP machine anymore. Yeah. He can actually tie his shoes. He actually couldn't bend down and tie his shoes. Um, the whites of his eyes are a lot more clear. Um, but, you know, and he'll report that he's thinking more clearly. He has greater waking energy. His libido's through the roof. He's sleeping more deeply. But the truth is that the real magic is what's happening on the inside, mm-hmm. right? When you look at the blood work, 
And maybe we should do a follow-up podcast and just put the blood work up there and say, yeah. hey, here's how, what it was when we met, and here's what it was 13 weeks later. There's no faking that. Right. right? There's no, those, that's just a fact pattern. It's not somebody's opinion. And when you have uh, high blood fat hypertriglyceridemia, um, and you have high insulin, hyperinsulinemia, and you have very high cholesterol, hypercholesterolemia, and you have elevated inflammatory compounds like homocysteine, homo, hyperhomocysteinemia, and you put all of these things into the same biome, it is a disaster. Right. Right. You have a ticking time bomb on your hands. There's not a qualified physician on this planet that would not agree with that statement. In the mortality space, we call these comorbidities, right? So you get a debit if you're diabetic, you get a debit if you're morbidly obese. But if you're morbidly obese and diabetic, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals five. Got it. And then if you add hypertension and hypertriglycerides and all of these other conditions into the same body, they, you know, they're cumulative. They right. have a really negative effect. Yeah. So, I mean, so when Dana sat here, uh, you know, he said he's snoring. He wakes up in the middle of the night gasping for air. Uh, you know, a, a lot of these things that I'm sitting here going, I do that, I do that, I do that. <laughs> check, I check. mean, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I never did, but Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, Fritos, mm. Doritos are my f oh, close friends, you. Gary. Yeah, Sugar. Adam, I know. <laughs> First thing I came in, I was like, I can't believe you're going to drink a Coke in front of this man, Adam. Yeah, yeah you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sugar and inflammation are the root of all evil. I'm right. telling you, the Bible should say inflammation is the root of all evil. Yeah. Not the love of money. <laughs> in 2018 or 19, I don't even remember what it was, I, I got challenged by Julian Marquez, uh, UFC okay. middleweight. He posted on his Instagram, uh, no sugar, no fried food, no bread, no cookies, no whatever for 30 days. Who's in? I immediately post it. Dude, and I'm like, that. I'm in. Uh, I immediately got nothing but hate because anybody that knows me well of more than a week right. of hanging out with me knows, like, John Orlando, you can't do that. Yeah. There's no <laughs> chance. You have no shot at, at making it 30 days, three days, let alone 30. Well, I did almost six months. Wow. I lost 35 pounds. I never looked better. I had abs for the first time. Mm -hmm. No more heartburn. I take fucking Prilosec almost nightly, right. um, which I know that's not good, but it's like the, the alternative to what I'm going to face because of my diet. Right. Uh, you well, know. We, should, we should look at your, your genetic report because the gene report that Dana was talking about would probably address that. No, you're taking the Prilosec because you got acid reflux. Right. Um, and most people think that acid reflux is an overproduction of acid. It's actually not. It's an inability of that muscle at the top of the stomach, that, that, that cardiac sphincter, to close and keep the acid trapped in the stomach. And this generally has nothing to do with your diet. It's oh. generally linked to a genetic mutation. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. I mean, most people that have gut issues have a gene mutation that actually controls the pace of the gut, the speed of the gut, right? Because you can think of the, the gut as a 30-foot-long conveyor belt. Right, so you put parts on it at one end, and as it progresses down this conveyor belt, it slowly gets assembled, and then it exits, right? So it begins mm -hmm. in the stomach, and then exits at the rectum. And most people that think they have allergies, uh, food allergies, mm -hmm. um, actually don't have food allergies at all. They have, a, they have a, an issue with the pace at which the gut is moving. Mm. The pace of the gut is more important than its contents. You know, next time somebody tells you that they have an allergy, let's say to corn, yeah, um, ask them if there's ever a time that they can eat corn and not have a reaction. But most of the time they'll say yes. And what this means is right there, they, they don't have an allergy, right? Because allergies are not transient. Allergies are consistent. You're not allergic to milk on Monday morning, unallergic on Wednesday afternoon, and re-allergic on Friday morning. That's not how allergies work. They're, they're consistent. If you're allergic to bees, every time a bee stings you, you're going to have a reaction. So the same thing happens in the gut. 
But we don't think about the actual pace of the gut. We only think about the last food item that we ate. Yep. And then, you know, so people will come in, they'll talk to me, and they'll go, gosh, Gary, I'm allergic to wheat and soy and corn and dairy and blueberries and bananas and gluten. I go, okay, well, let's stop right there. You'd be dead. You know, you're telling me you're allergic to all nine of the essential amino acids. So you couldn't actually have this myriad of allergies. Um, and then when you ask them if they, they can eat these foods that sometimes they tolerate and sometimes they don't, they say yes. Um, and so that's when we bring in that, that gene test that I was uh, uh, you know, referring when, to with Dana. When I lost the weight, I did, the acid reflux did go away. Oh, yeah, because of your diet. Because your diet. diet was much higher in folate and probably significantly reduced in folic acid. Remember, all white flour, white rice, white bread, yep. all white pasta in the United States is sprayed with this pasta. chemical folic acid. Yeah. It's called enriched or fortified. 44% of the population cannot metabolize folic acid. Right? This, is why, this is why postpartum depression in pregnant women is so high. It's not because of the pregnancy. It's actually because of the prenatal vitamin. They mm. take huge doses of folic acid, thinking they're going to prevent a neural tube defect in their fetus, which is patently false. Folic acid doesn't prevent anything. The body has to convert folic acid into the usable form, and then it will prevent a neural tube defect. So why don't we just skip the folic acid process and give people the refined nutrient that they won't have a reaction to, right. which is called methylfolate. Um, so in, in Dana's case, you know, when, when you know, we saw that his blood fat was so high, which is actually called triglyceride, um, and, and normally we wouldn't he talk said about it was it. something like 700 or something uh, or something like that. And I said, what is this supposed to be? And I, I can't remember his answer, but it was, it was like in the hundreds or low yeah, hundreds. It was low, yeah. Yeah. super low. In, in, in seven years, we had gotten five, uh, life-threatening alert calls from LabCorp, which is the lab that runs blood through the night. So we dropped the blood off in the evening, you know, after the nurse draws the blood and runs through the night. And well, if they hit a life-threatening alert, they actually call the clinic and my number's attached to the clinic. So I got a call at one thirty in the morning. Uh, from the lab saying, hey, we have a life-threatening alert on the patient. And I was like, ooh, what's the patient's, what's the patient's last name? And they said, oh, and they say, said, White. And I said, Dana White? Wow. And I was like, oh, no. Um, so uh, I actually booked a flight to go out and see him that morning. It was 1.30 in the morning, like 9.30 in the morning, I was on a plane uh, going out to see him and ran his blood by our clinical team and our doctor, Dr. Sarda, you know, put a treatment protocol together and I went out to explain it to Dana. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon to sit down with somebody and, and talk about their high level of blood fat. Right. And tell them that the solution to lower it is to eat very high amounts of fat. <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's right. Was, it kind of, yeah. It they kind, kind of, of look at you funny, right? And I'm, like, I'm just waiting for the I don't haters. Know about just, this come guy. on, guys. Tell me all the things that don't work with the right. keto diet and beta-hydroxybutyrate and everything else. I love all the, I love all the bro science junkies out there. But, you know, if you actually ch switch the body's fuel source from carbohydrate... Um, to ketones, right? Mainly beta-hydroxybutyrate by having a diet that's very high in fat, 75% fat, about 20% carbohydrate, uh, or 20% protein, about 5% carbohydrate. Then essentially the body's fuel source switches to fatty acid metabolism. Mm -hmm. And now the liver eats the fat out of the bloodstream like a Pac-Man. Hmm. And his triglycerides fell 100 points a week for almost six straight weeks. Wow. It's a 600 point plummet in triglyceride. And so for the people that say, oh, I'm too old, it's too late, it's never too late, right? Oh, it's the never body will too repair late. itself if you start treating it right. Yeah, they, you know, in, in, if I was to sum up 20 years of, of mortality research, and that's really my background was mortality research, into a single sentence, it would be this. The presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Mm. The presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. And we realize that, you know, all human beings leave this earth the same way, right? We all die of something called hypoxia, lack of oxygen to the brain. 
But we tended to think of hypoxia as an event, like a gunshot wound or a stroke or a bus or a heart attack. The truth is everyone in this room and everybody listening to this podcast is on a hypoxic curve. Either you are managing oxygen well or you're managing oxygen poorly. The more poorly you manage oxygen within your bloodstream, then the faster you will accelerate towards the grave. Not only the shorter your life expectancy, but the shorter your health span. And the second thing was, which is to your point, um, was that the majority of what we saw going wrong in human beings that was leading to early demise were what we called modifiable risk factors. Meaning at the time, if I was able to talk to that patient, we could have significantly changed their life. On average added roughly seven years to their lifetime. And the reason for this was that when you start to deplete certain raw materials in the human body, it leads to disease. We have to stop thinking about disease as something that happens to us and start thinking about it as something that happens within us. Mm. So if I start to deplete certain raw materials, let's say for example, I begin to deplete serotonin, the neurotransmitter serotonin. Mm -hmm. As serotonin begins to get lower and lower and lower, you are by definition becoming depressed, right? Because then every emotional state, every mood that requires that neurotransmitter, you now don't have that neurotransmitter, so you can't manufacture that mood. So this isn't a case of depression happening to you, this is a case of depression happening within you. And the same thing is true with hypertension and high blood pressure and brain fog and poor sleep and poor response to exercise and lack of libido. These are generally not things that are happening to us. They're raw materials that are missing from the human body. And we put them back into the human body, simple things, amino acids, vitamins, um, minerals, uh, trace minerals, uh, uh, methylated vitamins, right? It's astounding what the human body does when you take a look at it and you find out what it's deficient in, and you just put it back. Mm. How many of how much of it is hereditary versus solely based on that person? Well, here's the thing about um, you know the hereditary diseases, right? Um, we've mapped the entire human genome. We know every gene in the human body, right? And because diseases run in families, we have a tendency to just assume they're genetic. It's habits. It's, right. it's, well, the genes are what load the gun, but the, what pulls the trigger is your habits, right. right? Your lifestyle pulls the trigger. So we don't actually pass hypertension from generation to generation or depression from generation to generation or hypothyroid from generation to generation. Even though these conditions run in families, next time a physician says to you, hey, um, uh, you have hypothyroid, you, it's a genetically inherited disease. Say, well, what gene did I inherit? <laughs> It caused right. hypothyroid. If I have hypertension because my father passed hypertension right. onto me, what gene did he pass to me? And watch their face go blank. Right. He passed lifestyle. He, well, what right? he passed was an inability to refine a raw material. You are missing a raw material, right? Mm -hmm. There is not a single compound known to mankind, not one, that enters the human body that's used in the format that we put it in. Everything that enters the human body goes through this refining process so the, so the body can use it. Right? I always use the example that we pull crude oil out of the ground, right? Yep. But you can't put crude oil into your gas tank, right? The car doesn't understand right. that fuel source. Right. Crude oil has to be refined into gasoline, and now the car can operate. Well, if you couldn't refine crude oil into gasoline, it would be useless. So think about all the compounds coming into the human body, proteins, carbohydrates, fats, minerals, amino acids, nutrients, vitamins. All of this stuff is coming in. Some of it the body can convert and use, and some of it it can't. So now let's assume that you can't make a conversion. I'll just pick one, folic acid. You can't convert folic acid to the usable form, methylfolate. Now you have a deficiency. 
The question is, if I have a deficiency in methylfolate, what does that lead to? And you will find that as you deplete raw materials in the human body, you can trace it right to the pathologies and diseases that are most common today. Hmm. And this starts to happen early in life. You know, most of us have accepted such an erosion of our baseline sense of normalcy, right? We're walking around 55 or 60% of where our optimal state is because we haven't bothered to look at our blood work. We haven't bothered to look at our genes. We don't know what our body can refine and what it can't. We don't know what raw materials are missing. We wander around, we supplement just for the sake of supplementing, or we ask our spouse or our best friend or a neighbor or a doctor. Um, you, you shouldn't even ask me. You should ask your, your biome. You should be mm -hmm. looking at your blood work and looking at your genes. And Fine. I think the other side of it, and, and Dana touched on it, is you know medicine these days. You know, you have so many doctors out there that are pill pushers mm -hmm. that, you know, you have an issue. Oh, there's a pill for that. You know, I'm on personally, I can tell you, I'm on my CPAP machine. I have antidepressants. I have a high blood pressure medication. I take Tums every night before I go to bed. Testosterone. What else? Is that it? Yeah, I think, I think you think covered it. the gamut. As I think far I, as can, I know. Yeah. 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 So, you know, because I go into a doctor's office and I have been trained mm -hmm. to put, you know, because my family... <laughs> I put my trust in a doctor and they do A, B, and C for me, mm -hmm. as opposed to going in, like you're saying, and changing inside. Right. Well, you know, it, interestingly, if you, um, uh, if you want to Google something interesting, just Google third leading cause of death in America. Do you know what the third leading cause of death is what in America? Is it? no. It's modern medicine. It's medical error. Really? Yeah. There's a 2016 study by Johns Hopkins, or by uh, Harvard. Um, and it was repeated by Johns Hopkins that found that medical error is the third leading cause of death. That's insane. So just, when you process that, and, yeah. and I'm not here to poo-poo modern medicine. I've, no, got, no. I've got actually doctors in the room and nurses in the room, so I don't want them to get super upset with me. They look suspect, um, but it's okay. But yeah, they, they do look a little <laughs> <Just> sketchy. <laughs> they do look sketchy. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's astounding when you think that, that medical error is the third leading cause of death. Yeah. Until you realize it's the third leading cause of death in the industry that's designed to prevent death. So if you translated that to any other industry, it would be laughable, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you were, I don't know, you sold home security systems, but you were the third leading cause of home invasion. Right. I don't think you'd be in business very long. Right. And so it's, it's the paucity of understanding uh, the human body. We've lost so much faith in humanity and mankind and the body's ability to heal itself and, and the ability to put the right raw material, meaning the right nutrients into the human body and watch it thrive. So just take some of the conditions that you talked about, hypertension, for example. Um, again, I'm not a physician, but I would bet my career that you have a normal EKG, you have a normal EEG. If you've ever had your heart and lung sounds tested, they were normal. Mm -hmm. If you've ever had a dye contrast study or a cardiac cath, it's all normal. Mm -hmm. um, so why would you have high blood pressure if you have a normal cardiovascular workup? Well, because if you have a missing raw material in the human body, specifically a complex of B vitamins um, and a complex of amino acids, if you start to deplete these, the body cannot lower one of the most inflammatory compounds in the human body. It's called homocysteine. As this compound rises, it causes the vascular system to contract and this drives up the pressure. So we examine the heart, the heart is normal, but you still have high blood pressure. So the doctor goes, well, um, it's idiopathic hypertension. It's hypertension of an unknown origin. So we're going to put you on hypertensive medication, medicate the heart, very likely for a crime it's not committing. Um, if we manage this amino acid in the blood, homocysteine, and we bring it down like we did in Dana, you see not only his hypertensive state, his high blood pressure returned to normal because there never was anything wrong with the heart. You cause the vascular system to relax, pressure returns to normal. 
there's 63,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. Hmm. If you start to narrow those blood vessels, you will drive the pressure up. Homocysteine is one of those things that narrows those blood vessels. And it's very, very easy to address. So 10 weeks, you're about, I think 10 weeks in with Dana, he said, 13 or maybe now, yeah. more at, now. 10 yeah. weeks a week. Um, where is he at on this in terms of the 10.5? Can you, are you not allowed <laughs> he, to say No, no, I, I, okay. I, he told me I can speak freely. No, normally we'd never get on the, uh, here and of talk course, about a patient. Yeah, I mean, course. this would be like right, massive yeah, HIPAA yeah. violation. But, but we, um, got the, we got the Dana White green light. We yeah, have not, right. yeah, not only, the, I, I figure if you had a podcast of 5 million people and you right. talk, <laughs> I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it, and within his blood, what happened was just astounding. You know, he went from a um, nearly insulin-dependent pre-diabetic state to normal insulin. So hyperinsulinemia plummeted. Um, the interesting thing about insulin is that most people think the primary role of insulin is to lower blood sugar, and that's not true. The primary role of insulin is to block any other form of energy utilization in the body. Mm. So what this means is if insulin's high, you can't burn fat. So what happens if your insulin is very high, the first place fat builds up is in the blood. So his fat was high in the blood because his insulin was high. So this is why the ketogenic diet, which addresses bringing insulin down, allowed the body to use fat as a resource, which plummeted his triglycerides. I mean, Dana's blood was um, almost solid at room temperature. Um, and so during the, my discussion with him, I said, you know, hey, I'm I'm surprised you can actually tie your own shoes. And he really, he freaked out. I said, man, you must be waking up sore and achy in the mornings. Like you had a workout the night before when you haven't. And um, when you say crazy, ta- it's crazy. Ahead. Like, you know, talking to Dana last week and, and talking today, like the tying the shoes, when I bend down to tie my shoes, I, I feel like I was just going to say it. I, I feel like I'm almost gasping yeah, for air. We should do a, yeah, it, it, can we become your case studies? Yeah, your case study. You know, it's funny. Uh, about a month ago, or for September first, right? So, Adam, yeah, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Adam challenged me, to, you know, <laughs> to try to because it it bums me out. Like I fucking, so, okay, I was so disciplined. That thirty day thing that John was talking about yeah. earlier, he did it for o- six months. Yeah, but the yeah. only way that he will successfully complete something is if there's a bet involved be or a, a challenge or I some know. sort like that. He has yeah. to have like because long term yeah. health is not a motivation for yeah. me, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just not dying. Yeah, not, you know, I, you know, right. I need a bed attached to yeah. it. Yeah. The show's called Action Junkies for a reason. It's okay. not my fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Adam tried to kick me in the gear uh, end of August. He's like September first. I challenge you. We're gonna weigh in on September first. Blah blah blah. We didn't really weigh in. No, I, I ate right for three days, and now I'm back to shit. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, but now I think with you on the scene and mm-hmm. Dana as motivation, I agree. I'm ready to get my abs back. Yeah. But I will okay? ask this. I, I will yeah. ask this. You know, and and I kind of brought this up to and after Dana was on last time. Is this something that an average Joe can do? Meaning, no doubt. You know, because obviously Dana has his own chefs and, you know, and everything. Right, yeah. yeah. So that's a good question because I think people would think like, oh, God, if you're Dana White's doctor, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to go through this. Not a doctor. Not a doctor. That's the other thing I'm saying. I clearly state that I'm not a doctor. Right. People attack me for not being a doctor. And right. That's, I hold that out as a, as a flag, yeah. badge of honor. But um, uh, no, it's not expensive. I mean, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, you know, a ketogenic diet, meat, fish, chicken, eggs, avocados, coconut oil, olive oil, nuts, um, you know, these you're actually eating less volume of food, mm-hmm. right? And you're not as hungry all of the time. So, and you're eating, you know, non-processed foods. 
You know, right. basically, if it was around a thousand years ago, you eat it. If it wasn't, you don't. You know, if your great grandmother wouldn't recognize it, don't put it in your mouth. Right. Um, and and the the testing part is, you know, a blood test is six hundred bucks. A gene test, which you only do once in your entire lifetime, is six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. For six hundred bucks, you can find out exactly what's missing in your body, and never again for the balance of your lifetime guess what you need to supplement with. Right. Um, and you don't even have to do it through me. I mean, I don't want people hating on me going, you're just on there trying to sell gene tests. Well, actually I am because I want as many people in the world to do the gene test, but go online and find somebody else to do it with. I want human beings to, to find out what's missing in their body, what their body can't convert, and then just go supplement with that raw material, methylfolate, um, zinc, magnesium, L-methionine, SAMe, you know, B complexes of vitamins, not complicated, ultra expensive scientific nonsense. These are very valid raw materials that the body has to have an adequate supply in order to function properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you to be your age and on hypertensive medication and a CPAP machine um, tells me that there are raw materials missing in your body that we put back over the next 10 weeks. I'd love to see you rip that CPAP machine I'll off. tell you, um, I'm 42. I've been on a CPAP machine going on since I was probably 28, 29. Really? Mm. Yeah. That was the only good thing that came out of my marriage. CPAP she machine? Me, she told me that I had... <laughs> At sleep apnea. Okay. I was stopping. Oh, she yeah. told you. Yeah. yeah, that was the best. Like the only the good thing that came machine. out of oh, yeah. No, no, that was the only good thing that came out of that damn marriage. I didn't think that I was in sleep apnea denial until like maybe two months ago. I downloaded an app. And uh, that just monitors your sleep. I mean, I don't yeah. know how accurate that is or whatever. And it, well, and it records and you. And I heard myself snoring and stuff. Oh, oh, it records you. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. It's bad, man. Yeah. It's I bad. Mean, m- most people that um, have sleep issues have one of two types of sleep patterns. They either lay down and go to bed, yep. um, tired, yep. and they can't fall asleep because their mind keeps them awake. Mm-hmm. Or they fall asleep and they wake up repeatedly throughout the night That's because me. their mind wakes them up. Okay, so, and when you wake up, the kind of thoughts you think about are the most innocuous little thoughts, right? They're not... Earth, like life-changing, earth-shattering right, thoughts. Yes. They're, they're things like, you know, did I get everything on my grocery list today? Did I return that email? You know, did my belt match my shoes? Yeah. Um, not the things that should be keeping you up at night. And this is a classic um, gene mutation called COMPT, catechol-O-methyltransferase, COMPT. And when the, when the brain lacks the, the right amino acids, specifically L-methionine, we have a very difficult time quieting the mind. Mm-hmm. You see, it's just as important to be able to create thought as it is to be able to dismantle thought, mm. right? When we do not dismantle thought at the same rate that we create it, we call this attention deficit disorder. It's actually not an attention deficit at all. It's an attention overload disorder. Okay. So people with this gene mutation that don't take supplement, proper supplementation, what they'll find is that as their environment quiets, their mind wakes up. Mm. So as they get down to go to sleep and the environment noise quiets, their mind starts to run. Now they're tired. They just can't fall asleep because their mind is awake Mm. and they're thinking about the most innocuous thoughts or they fall asleep and they just wake up multiple times throughout the night. They look like a bouncing rubber ball going down. Sometimes every hour on the hour. Sometimes I fall asleep. I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I fell asleep and slept like six to eight hours straight through. I couldn't even tell you. Maybe, actually, I don't even think then. We do, once a year, we do, uh, for some crazy reason, we do a 24-hour straight live podcast, Mm. Adam and I, with like 40 guests. 24 24 hours straight. Wow. Yeah, and uh, even after that, like I'm exhausted, I get home, I can't sleep because I probably got some adrenaline going, whatever, and it's like, and even then, it's like maybe four hours and I get up. Yeah, you won't sleep because your mind is awake. This is very easy to to fix, right? The same thing with with attention deficit disorders and 
and ADD and ADHD and OCD. I mean, we, we mislabel the mechanism that, that causes these things, right? So imagine that the mind cannot quiet at the rate that it creates thought. So now there's too many windows open. So it's actually not an attention deficit. It's, it's an ability to pay attention, but just an inability to pay attention to so many things, right? So if we were able to begin to degrade thought, the mind would quiet. Modern medicine says, okay, if the mind's racing, let's pump the body full of amphetamines and race the central nervous system to match the pace of the mind, right? That's what Adderall does, right? It's amphetamine. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, this is a very poor choice, right? To put an amphetamine in to stimulate the nervous system to match the pace of the mind. Why don't we just quiet the mind? Mm. Oh, I would love to right. quiet my mind. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, damn. And this is, and, and this is true with um, depression. This is true with anxiety. This is true with OCD. This is true with um, poor response to exercise. It's true with poor, poor sleep, poor waking energy, brain fog. All of these conditions are generally conditions of missing raw materials, not conditions of disease or pathology that is actually happening to us. It's crazy. All of those things he just said, every single one of them, the OCD, the, you know, check. Yeah. Check. Yeah. No. Every single one. Yeah. You know what creates OCD, right? Um, so obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, in the whole spectrum of the those disorders, if you even want to call them disorders, is, you know, the more um, we lack organization in the mind, the more we crave organization in our outside environment, mm. right? So if we have a disorganized or very active mind, then we despise clutter. We need organization. We're list takers. We like to wake up in the morning and we, we judge the success or the lack thereof of our day based on how many things we get done on an agenda that we set for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We call these people consummate overachievers, right? Um, um, my... My, my partner, Grant Carnone, is one of those, right? He's a multi-billionaire. Right. He was a homeless heroin addict, lost his dad at 10 years old, and then became a multi-billionaire tycoon in the real estate market. He is the most driven human being that I've ever seen um, and never satisfied with the level of success that he achieves. But in, in you know, when you apply this to um, the populace, you see that people will actually be very hard on themselves, right? They're perfectionists. If they have to uh, study or work on a project, then not only does the desk that they're working on have to be clean, the room the desk is in has to be clean, mm -hmm. right? This is because the mind is so active that they can't stand any noise in the outside environment. As you quiet the mind, that becomes less compulsive, less important. It's interesting. Right? So if I can have an environment quiet at the same time a mind quiet, so you can restore sleep. If I can have the mind quiet at the same rate that it creates thought, I can stop compulsive issues outside of the body, right? Compulsive neatness, repetitive. Yep. List taking and tasks. Um, and the same is true with response to exercise. The same is true um, with brain fog. You know, I mean, there's so many of, you know, the patients that come in to see our clinical team because they're like, God, I just, I got the worst brain fog. Like I, I get a great idea in the bedroom, walk to the kitchen. I wonder what the hell I'm doing in the kitchen. I have that sometimes. Okay. Well, yep. Well, yeah, fixable. Is, and I keep thinking, so my mom has uh, dementia mm -hmm. and um, sometimes I have moments like, I just can't think of a word or a person's name or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Like, you know, I am so fearful of that yeah. because I see how her quality of life is. Like, for, especially this last five years, it's like a snowball coming down the hill. It, it's so fast she's declining. Yeah. Um, it's brutal to watch. Well, and, you know, it, interestingly, even when we talk about conditions like that, Alzheimer's, dementia, yeah. we, we, we call Alzheimer's and dementia different than what it really is. You know, type hmm. three diabetes... Um, is Alzheimer's, right? Mm. I mean, we, insulin resistance in the brain is heavily linked 
to Alzheimer's. Remember I said that, that blood sugar is one of the roots of all evil. And the big myth, the big lie in my opinion about Alzheimer's is that um, patients are losing their memory, right? That's not necessarily true. They're losing access to their memory. Yeah. There's a difference between the memory actually fading and the access to the memory fading, right? I mean, these, these gaps in the brain called neurosynaptic junctions where the nerves don't touch these little areas, these little gaps between nerves, they fill up with something called an amyloid plaque. Um, but the genesis of a lot of this is elevated blood sugar. Mm -hmm. You know, in the mortality space, I don't think that we saw a single um, early onset Alzheimer's patient that did not have 10 years of elevated blood sugar prior to. Wow. So we can control our blood sugar. We can actually do a lot for our brain function. Let me ask you this. So Dana was 10.4 10, 10 years. What's the worst you've ever seen? Have you, have you had someone go through this and it comes back one year? Well, so I did that for... 20 years. Um, that was my career. And then I stopped seven years ago and I moved into the wellness space and didn't do a life expectancy. So it. it's not, um, you know, it's a, it's a part of the past that I'm not necessarily proud of because I was not able to help a single person. I was prohibited by law from even contacting a patient. So I really felt like I used to sit behind a thick glass wall and just watch blind people walk into traffic. Wow. Um, because, you know, looking at their their life expectancy, I could see, gosh, all of these things are modifiable risk factors. So we just got rid of the anemia and the hypertension right. and got them on a good diet. And they actually didn't have rheumatoid arthritis that they were diagnosed with. They only had a clinical deficiency in vitamin D3. They could have supplemented with vitamin D3, avoided a joint replacement, avoided the loss of ambulation, avoided the early onset of a lot of pathology and disease that comes with sedentary lifestyle. You know, sitting is the new smoking. Mm. Sitting is the new smoking. Sedentary lifestyle is the leading cause of all cause mortality right now. Really? Right. Human beings, I mean, aging is just this aggressive pursuit of comfort. Right? The more aggressively we pursue comfort, the faster we age. We have lost the ability to, um, or, or lost the zeal to defend ourselves, right? If you don't load a bone, it will not strengthen. If you don't actually tear a muscle, it won't grow. If you don't challenge the immune system, it weakens. So this is why I always say we got to stop telling grandma not to go outside. It's too cold. Don't go outside. It's too hot. Right. Just lay down. Just relax. Just right. eat at the first pang of hunger. <laughs> we start collapsing all of our defense mechanisms. Things like breath work and cold plunges and um, you know exposure to extreme heat and extreme cold. These are things that strengthen the human body, right? I mean, this cold plunge phenomenon that's going on right now all over the world, I love it. Um, I, I mean, I think it's one of the easiest and best things to ever you know, hit the biohacking market, you know, cold water therapies and, and hot saunas and fasting. These are things that actually strengthen human beings. They cause the release of certain genes that defend the human body. They get rid of cells that are floating around the stream, bloodstream called senescent cells that are useless. Um, so if we start to practice challenging the body rather than constantly comfort, you'd see the average health of the populace skyrocket. Right? And that's interesting because, you know, my my mom's in her late seventies and she has said she feels that she has aged 20 years during COVID mm -hmm. because like so many, what were you doing during COVID? Right. You were sitting watching Netflix. You right. were, you know, that was your day. Right. You weren't doing, you weren't up out going outside and doing yeah. all those things. Yeah. I was watching UFC fights every week. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Dana. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think one of the worst things that we ever did, and I'll get absolutely slaughtered for this, um, was, you know, residential quarantines and social distancing and yeah. taking human beings out of contact with other human beings. 
a part of what is meant to happen is every day we're supposed to come in contact with pathogens and viruses and bacteria and other things that our immune system is de defends yeah. itself with. And what you're seeing right now with these second wave of all of these viral pathogens and monkeypox and all these things that are that are you know in the what sixth, seventh, or eighth strain of COVID now, oh. um, is because we had a progressive weakening of the immune system. Hey, during that whole time, I was playing poker. I was touching chips that everyone was touching. I was touching cash that everyone was touching. Never got COVID, never got the flu. Imagine that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. See? Yeah. So, I mean, the immune system needs to be challenged. So what's next? So if, so let's say we make uh, Adam and I your, your new poster children. Let's do the gene yeah. test on you. Let's okay. get the blood work on you. Okay. Let's put you on a protocol. Um, my clinical team to put a whole protocol together for you. And then in 10 weeks, let's come back here. I love it. And... And, uh, and be testimonials, and the, but we got to put it up there, man. We got to say, here's where we started. Here's where no we problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we, I we can book. have we can have some of the guys come over and video okay. whatever you want, like whatever you want. Awesome. Like, I'm in. But I need you to be disciplined. I will be disciplined. Oh, no, not motivated. No, disciplined. No, no, no. I'll be disciplined. He'll, he'll be for this. When I, I'm, okay. I'm yeah. not to compare myself to Dana, but I, I heard him say like when he sets his mind to it, like when I flip the switch, yeah. I can flip the switch. Dana was unlike any you yeah. know, patient I'd ever had. I said, look, if you do exactly what. What I tell you for ten weeks, right? This will be a permanent part of your rearview mirror. But if you yeah. don't, these things are going to converge, and your physiology is going to make a choice that where that will take all of the choice away from you. And had Dana not listened to you, and Dana not done this, you firmly believe ten years plus a little bit, we probably would have lost Dana White too. You'd you'd have seen a headline one day: Dana White passed away in his sleep, or had a heart attack, or whatever it is. No question. Really, but, but no it's question. also his, you know, the the his lifestyle, meaning not, you know, what he does, but his job. He's has just go, stress, go, you know, right. it's, and then. It's never turning off. And, and you can't just say to him, oh, you just get the stress out of your life. Yeah. 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 No, I run the yeah, USC, good, yeah, right? Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, Let me just get stress out of your, my life. Your sleeve has the uh, NFL Alumni yes. Association. So um, we're partially owned by the NFL Alumni Association. They're equity partners of ours. Wow. Um, I sit on the board of the NFL Alumni Athletica uh, as a health services director there. So... Um, we've had a long relationship with the NFL alumni and, and, and their members, um, and their, and their board of directors. And so we do a lot of, um, we do a lot of support for former athletes, you know, repetitive use injuries. We do blood work and genetic testing on those guys to actually get them back to a state of optimal health because when they leave the league, you know, very often there's nobody, nobody really overseeing, yeah. is overseeing it anymore. And it's very easy to, you know, to go off the cliff very quickly. Mm -hmm. So we give them a playbook for optimal health, you know, cool. um, diets, supplementation, you know, we look at bloods and we look at hormone balance, you know, we look at their genetic profile. Um, so they're actually back to that optimal state of health, whether they want to step back on the field or not. Oh, very cool, man. I'm, I'm excited. Cause, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like where I'm Hopefully at. Hopefully soon I'll put a UFC logo over here. Somewhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. next. I mean, it, it makes sense. We're not I quite mean, there uh, yet. Uh, I know your offices are pretty close to the yeah, UFC. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the apex. <laughs> there yeah. you go. They're inside the apex. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I know we're short on time today. Are awesome. you going to, this is the last uh, night yeah, of Contender going to, Series. You'll I'm, be going there. To, All right. I'm, I'm going from here to see Dana and then going to the Contender Series. I will see you at Contender Series and uh, we'll talk offline and we'll figure this out and uh, we'll chronicle the whole thing. Ten weeks. Let's All do right. it. All right. Ten weeks. Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Gary. You. You're welcome, guys. All right, gang. There you go. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>